This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, and with me, Cam Russell, and today we have the returns of, he's an educator, he's a musician, uh, the, the, the Bob Dylan of Bangi, he is Asmil Yunor. Hello, hello. Great. I, I did such a big build-up. You're just like, oh, hello. Uh, uh, Asma, you know, and he is, I, I always struggle. He's, um, tell us what you are, Matt Armitage. Uh, let's just say I'm a futurist. That way I, I don't have to, to give any kind of big reaction. Cool, cool. He's a futurist. He tells us what's going to happen in the future. Um, and our three topics this week are the cultural and creative ethics of the new Beatles song, and uh, topic number two is how uh, artists can protect themselves against AI. And finally, topic number three is subjects that should be compulsory in school. So uh, with topic number one, uh, the Beatles, which is my topic. And uh, you must have heard that very recently a brand new Beatles song was released. In 2023, the band itself broke up in 1970. And I don't really want to get into the us discussing the merits of the song itself, because I know what Matt's going to say, and it'll hurt me. Uh, but I know that Asmil likes it. So, uh, But I, I just want to talk about the cultural and creative ethics, because I think it is an absolutely unique cultural artifact, in that the, the demo, it was recorded as a demo by John Lennon. It was him at a piano singing just a, a demo. It wasn't like a, a final recorded piece. In 1977, so this is post-Beatles, then on the track you also have uh, guitar work played by George Harrison when the three remaining Beatles met up in 1995. Plus you also have uh, the finishing by Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney and a guitar solo in the style of George Harrison recorded in 2023, and you have backing vocals taken from pre-existing songs, a song Because from 1969, and I believe that there are also elements from Eleanor Rigby and Here, There, and Everywhere, which I think is 1966. So you, <laughs> you have all these bits and pieces. Now, it is legally absolutely a Beatles track because there are four co-partners, and if uh, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and the estates of George Harrison and John Lennon sign off on it, then it is a Beatles song. But um, I, I, I really love the track. I think it's fantastic. And I find it very moving. But is it a Beatles song? And is it a song that should have been done? Uh, Matt, I'm going to turn to you straight away. Okay, get vent spleen. No, I genuinely, I find the, the Lennon part Good. It's a it's a really nice song. It's a lovely song. My issue with it is that the rest of it sounds like two seventy year old men playing with uh, a thirty year old. So the, my my eight, issue eight year with old it is eight year old eight year old. Well, it's, well I, I was being uh, I was being generous. Um, so for me, the, the 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 contemporary parts sound quite lumpen and leaden compared to um, what was actually produced. But I think my issue is the fact that. At that time, it wasn't something that Lennon was writing with a view to it being done as a Beatles song. So I know it's been signed off by the estate. So legally, uh, it is a Beatles song. But is that what John Lennon would have wanted for that song? It wasn't. It wasn't written at a time when uh, I think he was particularly friendly with some of the other Beatles, where he 
he had a particularly good view of the beach side. I think it was sort of um, towards the the later in the seventies or the early eighties before the end of his life. Yeah, when he had that kind of. Well, no, the, uh, it was recorded in 77, but I think he had his kind of rapprochement with the oh, right. uh, other Beatles a little bit later. So that would be my issue with it. Is this as an artifact something that he would have intended to be a Beatles project had he still been alive? Yeah, but he didn't intend to get shot dead in 1980. Uh, no, he didn't. And that's that's kind of the point. So somebody else is making the decision that his work created that should have been a, a you know, for whatever musical project he had in mind, somebody else has decided that that should become a Beatles project yeah. at a time in his life when he was quite possibly quite hostile to the idea of the Beatles. And he was a solo artist. He was no longer a Beatle. Um, that, that's what I mean. I mean, the Beatles yeah. were over and it, it was quite an acrimonious uh, divorce at that point. Yeah. Uh, Asbel, you're a musician. Uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, as, as a Beatles fan, I like the song. But uh, but yeah, I think what uh, the ethical issue about about taking somebody who's not you know somebody's dead, um, going through their their archive and and then speaking on their behalf. Like I saw saw some YouTube videos, interviews uh, with you know Paul McCartney, even I think Sean and oh yeah, John would have would have wanted us to do this. Like how would you know? I mean, uh, you're speaking on behalf, and um, and I think again. I'm not sure if if free as a bird in real love was also from John Lennon's demos. What those two? Yeah, um, yeah. At, at, at the same time, they were they were same time. Yeah, were, yeah. So so again, I mean, yeah, those, those were great. Um, but as as a Beatles fan, I'm biased. But of course, um, we split that too. When as an artist, when I think about it ethically, um, it's an issue because um, uh, yes, your estate signs off. But I think if it's a demo, I mean, it's something that's not cooked yet. Um, but as fans, you're always hungry for more things. So, in other words, where 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 do we put the full stop to this? You know, they say it's well, the yeah. last Beatles song. You know, yeah. Where but, where do we put the full stop to the creative process? I I, I remember conversations when um, the Kindle came out. You know, the, the which you hmm. used, Matt, uh, for reading, um, and also of course with the computer, is that a, a novel or any book never needs to be finished. It could always be updated as you're reading it, <laughs> um, but that really, that never became a thing, though. It never really came to pass. Uh, I mean, you're a futurist, aren't you, Matt? Well, it ever happened? Well, it was never really an issue yet. No, I've, I mean, I think I think the issue with that is is more to do with the structure of publishing than it is to do with anything to do with technology, because uh, the industry lacks finished products. So you submit something, it goes out. Uh, you do see a lot of um, younger authors uh, publishing, say, ebook style, uh, and publishing novellas that form uh, a series. So I think one of the big writers, Brandon Sanderson, in the in the fantasy genre, uh, used to do that a lot. Sort of publish the works kind of progressively as soon as they were finished, and they would build up to to create these kind of longer longer terms, but he has the advantage of he's created his own publishing company around the way that he writes. So he has freedom that most people within the the industry don't have. Uh, but I think that the, the point for me is more to do with where the kind of cutoff is with this kind of AI creation, because we've seen uh, a lot of uh, concerts using holograms of dead artists 
for example. So uh, Montserrat Caballé, Tupac, uh, and uh, Roy Orbison. I think you know Roy Orbison has a you know a global tour that goes around with live musicians and his and really? his hologram. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so well, that's an artistic the, venture in itself. I mean, that's fascinating thought. It is a fascinating thought, but that thought, is, but but the artist isn't there. Yeah, the yeah. artist isn't there. He's been dead for for decades. Yeah, but like Beethoven, right? You know, when the the Berlin um, Symphony Orchestra play Beethoven, they're essentially a covers band. Yeah, yeah, hey, but Beethoven's they... not there. Beethoven conducted all of his original pieces. So should we just say, okay, let's just not listen to Beethoven anymore? He's not around. No, because it's not the same thing. Because Roy Orbison is actually there. He's standing on stage playing guitar and singing the songs. But it's great that a new generation by... would see the, the genius of Roy Orbison. But that's not the same as uh, somebody playing a Beethoven suite. That's covering a song in the same way that Asmil might cover a Roy Orbison song. So it's not it's not I'd a like to for see like that, for, 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 <laughs> okay. for for comparison. Um I I mean I find it a little bit mawkish and I, I found the video for the new Beatles song. Um the song's fine, but I found the video quite disturbing. Yeah, okay. Um, you have no soul. Um, so, <laughs> no, just because no, I, I thought all right, from, you're right, from, you're right. From, it, from Peter Jackson, it was CGI done in a very heavy touch. Yeah, I agree with you. I would agree with you, but I would say, Asmil, that uh, an important, um, and jo uh, Paul McCartney's really clever at this. He understands it's an industry, and he also needs to build in a new audience. For a lot of people, this is the first Beatles song they've ever heard. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, when that comes in the picture, then it becomes a different thing, isn't it? So, so, but, you know, but as an, as an artist, it's con concerning. Um, it's you, 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 yeah, you draw the line. Well, okay, this is done. I have authority over my work. Um, but yet, you know, if I'm not around, people can dig in and, and say like, oh, look, and declare this, whatever, you know. Um, yeah, but if but your family in the future, all right, or your family or your estate or whoever, uh, you know, dig up these Asmo Yunor demos, and if they can make it popular for a, a, a new generation that will probably be living in a new uh, technological time, wouldn't that be a good thing? I'd rather take the stuff that I've done that's complete to me and you know, reintroduce that rather than dig something that might be, you know, personal and private, which is a demo. You know, demos that tend to be that, you know. So oh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, this this is a it's interesting kind of time we're at where where yeah. these things technology and you know, it's, yeah. it's beyond what we think I thought about before. Yeah. Okay, well so in conclusion then, uh before we move on. Uh, I think that it was fantastic, and I'm glad it happened. I'm I'm going to guess, Asmul, you're saying you like it, but you actually question whether it should ever have happened. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a Beatles fan, so I like the song. I always want to hear new stuff. Um, but on the other side, yeah, I mean, where do you draw the line? I okay. Yeah. And and Matt, you just say it should never have happened. No, I'd have liked to hear a, a cleaned up version without without the Beatles. Which yeah. was the song that that John recorded, right. which okay. is legit too. You know, it's a very yeah. lo-fi song. Yeah, I heard the demo. You know, it's like, hey, yeah, nice. yeah that can that can still be done. You know, they can do that as, yeah. a, as a bonus track, no problem. Um, yeah. Okay, all right. So anyway, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, for me, the Beatles is the bonus track. 
the original is. All right, okay. uh, we have, we have to move on. We have yeah. to move on. I can't. I can't take this. I can't take this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to topic number two, which is um, how can artists protect themselves against AI? Well, yeah. So uh, I obviously I do a lot of work talking about AI and uh, talking about sort of how the the models uh, are used. And recently, we've seen uh, a lot of uh, tools. So ChatGPT recently has. Uh, uh, opened up the ability to create images just from text prompts. Mm. But of course, those images don't come from nowhere. I mean, if you you don't need a uh, you don't need a uh, a premium account to do it. If you use uh, Microsoft's uh, Bing uh, browser, you can actually just use the um, the the free chat tools that are baked into to that tool, and you can type in. Um, uh, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't like you to to type in specific things. So you couldn't put in uh, the Beatles recording in Abbey Road in 1969, but you could put in something like a beat combo recording in Abbey Road Studios in the mid 1960s, and it would create something that looked like a band of that era wow. um, recording in that that so studio. So it's a moving image, or that's a still? No, image? no, no. That's a still image at the moment. Really? There are. There are um, video generation tools, uh, text to video tools that are being developed. They're still very basic, um, similar to the the kind of text to music tools as and, well. And you can't say the Beatles because of what copyright reasons or just... copyright reasons. Yeah. Okay. So so they kind of exclude it. If so, in some other tools, um, for example, you can use tools like Mid Journey, which will um, allow you a lot more latitude. Um, to to put in you know in the style of certain photographers or videographers for various lighting effects, so you can you can add all of these tools. But the issue is where the root information for this comes from. So these these uh, AI systems are trained on big data models, which often are. are created by scraping images from across the internet. So artists who've had their work published online will often find their work being incorporated into these databases. And of course, when you say something like, you know, in the style of, say, Rankin, the photographer, the machine is referencing images from Rankin to actually put these together. So there are elements of their style. And often when you're talking about... Um, uh, some more illustrative works. There are actually elements of the the artist's work within those compositions, uh, to the point where I think OpenAI, which makes ChatGPT, has actually introduced for enterprise subscribers basically a guarantee that they will cover the costs related to any copyright infringement. But the issue, the greater issue, is as an artist. Should you allow your work to go into these training models, or should you prevent people from putting your work into these training models? Can, can, you, you, can you prevent? I mean, well, this is, well, this is the thing. There are there are new tools. Um, there's a, a tool called uh, Nightshade that's just been developed by a team at the University of Chicago, and it actually uh, puts corruption into. The JPEG file that you upload into the internet. So when it's scraped by the data, uh, when it's scraped by these bots and put into their learning models, it actually tr starts to corrupt the way that these 
these things learn. Mm. So there's there's kind of two um, two tools. There's uh, another one called Glaze, and Glaze puts an overlay on illustrative works that you upload onto the internet. So for example, it'll put a filter uh, that's recognized by the bots that crawl. Um, so if, for example, um, you're putting up something that's kind of pixel art, you can put in uh, an impressionistic filter. So it won't it won't register properly and it'll be rejected it, by the You're talking tool. a lot about images though. Uh, so there's text also, and then there's sound. Well, there's text and there's sound. So I'm talking mostly about image at this point because that's the easiest for these these tools to to work with. For for text, I mean, writers I think have just had to get used to the fact that their work gets stolen and reused um, forever. That um, there's not really a way to protect text because you can just cut and paste text and do anything yeah. you like with it. You can protect you can protect the file, um, and that's where things like audio and that's where things like image have an advantage because there's an actual file that you can protect. Okay. You can't scrape them in quite the same right. way. So Asmil, you, you're a musician, but you're also a, a teacher and you are probably experiencing, whether you know it or not, the effects of AI in, in students' answers. Well, not, not, not yet, but even before AI arrived, we already see a decline in, um, in students' Uh, ability to to articulate ideas in writing. Uh, now we're seeing a, really a real drop in terms of even just social skills, just face to face communication. Um, but they, they're slipping through the cracks, you know, um, because you know a lot of getting the university is based also on your on your you know whatever results you've done in the previous program, let's say foundation to a degree. So we we're seeing that. I think this is a global problem. I think. Um, it doesn't help that now AI is making these things easier, and um, we're losing losing that edge as you as a species. I think mm. to the T one thousands, which is uh, the AI. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but Matt, the the you're saying scraping from the internet. I mean, the internet has a lot of stuff, but it doesn't have all of humankind's thoughts and actions. So, oh no, it, it doesn't. Gonna be, it's going to be cannibalistic and and repetitive. Well, and and the, AI will be taking from AI. Yes, of course, and that's that's part of the the process. But the the issue here is: Do you, as an artist, do you release your work knowing that mm, it's going okay. to end up in one of Fair these enough. models, or do you do something that actually prevents it from being used? And what recourse do you have well, if the, the, you find your work is being used it's in these training models? It's, it's a cash twenty two, man. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But because I mean, the, in the US, there's been a strike uh, by actors uh, and writers on precisely this issue. Yep. And I believe they've just come to a conclusion, and they've kind of got. I'm not quite sure exactly what safeguards they have, but it's actually, but it is still nonetheless baked into um, future contracts. So they're kind of aware of it. And uh, um, by the results, yeah, the technology is going to have just 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 improve, right? You know? Yeah, but also, Matt, the 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 result of the strike, I think, is that they've come to an agreement which will only last two and a half years because it keeps changing so damn fast. Oh no, exactly, it's... and uh, and that covers that sort of very narrow band. But I think one of the reasons that 
that images are often used as this example is because images get uploaded by people that aren't the author of the works. Yeah. So for yeah. example, you can go into a museum and take a picture of a Rothko and then you can upload that Rothko that can then be mined by the, the data model. Uh, and by the same token, people taking images from image libraries, because a lot of people use unattributed photos on yeah. blogs, on yeah, social yeah, yeah. media posts all over the place. So a lot of the time, the works of these artists is being pulled into these models without their permission and without them having uploaded them to, to the internet. That's that's kind of one of the differences between um, uh, image and, in an extent, writing and mm. um, and and sound and video. Well, then, uh, as we come to conclusion on this, I'm old enough to remember when there was this thing called NFTs. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> vaguely, yeah, yeah. I think it was to do. It was like related to VHS or something. And uh, but Matt, you know, answer your own question. Would you uh, protect? yourself how how would you protect would you well, and how would you and as i said i mean there are there are these two tools glaze and nightshade which are but um, you would you would though i i would yes because i i think you have a right to protect your work the way that you want it to be to be viewed and i i think we've just become used to the fact that uh, um particularly as writers illustrators graphic designers our works don't have the same kind of protections that um, sound and video and, you know, the, these protected sort of studio works have. And I think that should extend to, to people within, you know, sort of every element of the food chain. As writers, I think we just have to uh, give up on the fact that we can ever really, truly protect our work against misuse and, and yeah. plagiarism. It's it's just too difficult. Yeah. But certainly, I think, um, for illustrations, for photography, Yes, the those same guarantees should be in place that are just normal for for TV and recorded works. Mm. I'd be interested to see what the French and the German governments do. They're pretty strict on these kinds of things. So I wonder what they'll come up with. Uh, okay, well, we move on. And uh, in a moment, uh, we're going to resolve all of these questions and more when we discover what we think should be compulsory uh, subjects in school here on A Bit of Culture on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Raslan, Asmil Yunor, and Matt Armitage. And now, Asmil, what subjects do you think should be compulsory in education? All right, I ranted about this in my, my column on Belizean Insight, by the way, if you subscribe, check it out. Um, so there's three subjects that I brought up. Um, I think the first is something that, that might be obvious to us is music or film or and uh, music and film appreciation. I think that should be part under the, you know, in, in, in school, they call it Pandidikan Sani, right? Uh, you know, arts. Um, but in, um, I was shocked the other day when I asked one of my students who's, you know, a Gen Z, he said, okay, you know, in my time in school, we used to play the recorder. And they were saying, yeah, we, 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 we learned the recorder in school and music. And that, that just blew my mind. It's like, Somebody is making money selling these recorders for decades. <laughs> Who's got his contract as one? But we still haven't produced like a Coltrane or Miles Davis of recorders. So in other <laughs> words, we, we've completely failed in music. And thirdly, it, when I remember in school, I, I didn't like music because because of the, the, the way the subject is. I got a feeling that's probably done on purpose. They don't want you to to, to enjoy that. 
Because I was speaking to recently, I played with an Indonesian singer-songwriter, and he was saying that Indonesia, correct me if I'm wrong, Indonesian listeners, but um, like music, for example, in school, you know, they're playing Beatles songs, you know, Man. sing along. You know, that you want something that piques their interest, you know? Man. So I think that the, the arts is, you know, now with this fetish about stems, which is important, but the arts is our soul, man. We need that. And, you know, it's just, I think it's just the curriculum is just taught improperly because we yeah. can't even decide what language to teach sciences. It's like, how are we going to move on, man? Okay. Um, yeah, so yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's number one. Number one. Yeah, that's number one. Yeah, okay. One. Okay. Number two, um, I think I say it was philosophy. Oh. Um, because they're now introducing it in like the compulsory subjects in university. I just saw this new lineup. There's actually, but it's not philosophy by itself. It's philosophy and something else. But I think philosophy should be taught early on, even in school. But I think the basic premise of philosophy, why it's not taught is because you ask a question, why? So you're going to get a lot of questioning, why, why? You know, we're, we're still stuck in road learning and it's always this top-down thing. Um, think about it, right? Like, can just off the bat, can we think of uh, any great Malaysian thinkers? There's virtually none. Us, us the public, the, the, no, no one can give you a name, you know. Yeah, well, there's, there's us too, as well, and my message yeah. is, you know, sure, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not allowed we're marginalized. To <laughs> yeah, we're marginalized, man. <laughs> yeah. So that's two, all right. Okay, number um, two. The third is, I think, the issue. I mean, I, I, I described it as media studies, all right. But I think that encompasses media literacy and digital literacy. I think it's very important. Yeah. Um, because this is something already in the hands of kids and there's no regulation. Um, you know, in that regulation, the terms in, in the family unit, you know, like having for what age are you allowed? You know, my, my kids, we, we, we don't let them play with um, smartphones yet. Let them draw on walls and play, write on paper, fine. But eventually they will. So, I mean, we can always delay that. So, but I think, you know, yeah, yeah. just like I think, you know, to have, people should need licenses to have children. <laughs> I think we need some education. Whoa. I, <laughs> listeners, you don't see this. Asmil has like long hair and he's like, you know, cool and hip, no, but he's such a conservative man. No, there's a lot of irresponsible parenting. You really see okay. this when you're your parent, you know? So, All right. Yeah. I, I want to turn, turn this one over to Matt. Before, before though, I just want to say with number three about the media learning thing, we could turn that around, though, and say that the young people should be teaching us old people. Because I think that they, I've met a number of young people who really know how to negotiate um, their way through, uh, through the lies better, certainly better than people older than us who have no clue. You know, the, the pitfalls of lies and fakes, etc. You know, just believe or flesh. I, 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 think, I think they do, but um, I, I think that's where sort of Asimov's wider point comes in because there's the ethics and the morality of actually uh, negotiating those online spaces as well, which I think is where the philosophy part comes in. So I I would kind of agree with uh, with where Asimov's coming from because we're giving people access to all of this information, but we're not necessarily giving them the tools uh, to deal with them mentally. Um, what are the implications of using these tools? You know, one of the things about watching all of these uh, video clips from school board meetings in the US where they're trying to to ban books is, you know, they're, they're railing about, oh, this book talks about slavery. This has uh, couples who are kissing and they're not even married. And you think, well, your kids have smartphones. 
why are you wasting your time trying to ban these books when your kids are probably sitting at home looking at hardcore pornography right now? Go home and deal with those issues. Don't stand in uh, don't stand in a, a meeting hall room trying to lecture people on the morality of you know same sex relationships in uh, a very kind of vanilla book that's on the shelves in the school library. Sorry, I got a bit animated there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. Getting feisty. Hey, uh, but uh, Asmil, you uh, you're a teacher, but you teach you don't teach in the the government school system. I mean, um, I teach in university, private university. Private but university. We, we're, we're we're seeing the the the, the outcome uh, because we deal sometimes with broken goods in university, and right. our parents think like the university three years in a degree program. They will come out shiny and new, but you know, I I always joke with my colleagues that the first year of any three year program is rehabilitation, because it's about yeah. realigning what yeah. they think university is all about and also the expectations they come in. Yeah, I, I've heard this also from um, teachers in universities overseas who, who 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 come across Malaysian students that in the first year that they're, they're completely confused by. <laughs> what's expected and what's asked of them, but by the third year they're flourishing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But can I can I say because in the government system, I think the strategic uh, objective that underlies all decision making has always been the notion of nation building. <laughs> and yeah. you know whatever we teach them, it's with a few to nation building. Whatever that means, usually just means it has traditionally meant whatever Amno wants. Yeah, but you see, I think public university. There's also this increasing infringement into academic freedom among among the lecturers too, you see, and and they they have to deal with that on top of dealing with the yeah. goods the kids but, coming in. Yeah, but also that, that speaks to the point your point number two, the philosophy, because religion is philosophy, yeah. and is. why do you need any other philosophy when you got religion, which is going to teach you how to be? So, you know, yeah, but. But but yeah, but you know we we're not we're not in school we're not taught that religion is philosophy. It's just the way, right? And whichever country you go to, and you know the dominant uh, groups, beliefs, or religion will be the dominant uh, idea of the day, right? Nietzsche said God is dead, and Nietzsche's going to have to be in your philosophy. Yeah, yeah, okay, that that should curriculum. be like an, uh, that, that's your essay question. God is dead, right? <laughs> No less than two hundred words about that, you know. <laughs> but but of course, you know, people just be up in arms here. But yeah. here we are, a country trying to we're yapping all about innovation and you know thinking out of the box. What the reality is that we're firmly entrenched in the box. So you know, yeah. But Matt, okay, Matt, your education, you you got educated yeah. as did I actually in in the UK. And did you learn anything? I mean, was it Mark Twain said, "I never, I never let." Um, Education get in the way of my learning. Um, did you learn anything? What at school? Ah, yeah, yeah, I I did. Um, but you know, one of the, one of the things for me, and one of the one of the sort of great regrets I have is that at university I studied economics, which I think is fundamentally useless. Um, whereas I think I should have studied history because doing what I do now. Uh, which is mostly looking at the future. The most important thing is having a knowledge of the past, having a knowledge of the way societies work, societies function, looking at patterns that emerge across that time span. Because again, you know, we, uh, I can't remember what the exact quote is, but that 
you know, every generation forgets about the previous generation's wars because they don't see the the destruction and the harm that they uh, that they caused. But we see the same patterns in technology. We see the same patterns in uh, industrial development. They're just reflected in the circumstances of the of the day. So for me, the most important thing I learned at school, uh, other than uh, I think you know the the English classes, the the language part, was history. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, guys, like, I mean, my, I, in my film, I, I don't like call it film theory, but it's kind of like film history. I have to talk about the Industrial Revolution because that's not taught in schools because that shaped exactly our our, our notion about you know consumer, how we consume ideas, uh, culture, and you know, and and linking that. So I, I often also tell my film music students then don't be so entrenched in those fields because they they're not siloed you know so it's it's the larger picture that tends to be missing i think people specialize without knowing like exactly what Matt said that that the con- history provides a context so what i yeah. think we we can conclude from this is that what should be taught are only two things one is history makes me happy and <laughs> and um that kids should play beatles music on recorders <laughs> more recorders please no recorders <laughs> yes. but yeah. but they should say they should sing Beatles songs. So I, I that's it. We've done it. <laughs> yeah, we've done a better world already. <laughs> I, I think the interesting thing is that uh, your student could possibly have been using the same recorder that you used. <laughs> yeah, probably mm. recycled. So I, was, yeah, I, I wanna I, I wanna I wanna know who's got the contract to the recorders. <laughs> I, I remember there there were it was a, a German company. It was Hof, Hofner. Hofner. Yeah, Hofner. Oh, Hofner, yeah, the same yeah. as the uh, uh, harmonicas. Yes. Uh, and, and Paul McCartney's bass guitar. Um, yeah. So, Asmil, I love hearing your stories about education in the education world. So, you're teaching them things yourself off, off the bat uh, yeah. in your courses. But do you have confidence uh, going forwards with with the kind of kids that were pumping out into the world? I mean, even the minority. I mean, all you need is, is you know, change of mind or a few. I think that's fine. And you, 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 if you think in a grander scale, you want to change the world overnight. I'm not going to see this change in my lifetime for sure. Yeah. As long as I, you know, I, I sow those seeds, and you know, it sticks to them. And you got to have this, this anecdotes that stick in their head rather than just you know something you know they they they, they research about. So I, I have absolute confidence in in the small pockets, but. If you want change to happen overnight, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And also, living in a world where everybody is Miles Davis and John Coltrane is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have one now anyway, man. Who is out there like well, that? Well, I mean, there was Miles Davis <laughs> and there was John Coltrane. And how many more yeah, do you but we're, Yeah, but we, we're talking about them in the past tense, man. <laughs> uh, they did. Matt, Matt, come in. You, I mean, you, you must, there must be somebody out there. Uh, I mean, there are, but it's different. It's different yeah. genres of things, and it's different yeah. genres well, of music. I mean, for that's, that's getting into a whole new, whole new thing. No, exactly. Yeah. For, for, for all thing. for all we know, in two or three hundred years' time, people will be talking about Skrillex the way that we yeah. talk about Beethoven. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, Shakespeare was the pop star of his time, and people probably derided him at that time. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah this, exactly. Piece, so it'll this be this new theater. It'll never catch up. <laughs> no, in it, my it, day. Yeah, <laughs> universities will do Kim Kardashian studies. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> yeah. Oh, they. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, 
you'll be happy to teach that in the curriculum soon as Mills. So well, we move on and uh, I hope we solve that one. And uh, we could turn to recommendations where we recommend something we think might be of interest. I'm going to um, recommend, well, I wanted to recommend this documentary I just watched. It was an HBO documentary um, about the actor Rock Hudson, uh, who uh, he was big in the 1950s and the early 1960s, very handsome man. Um, and uh, he he was in his private life he was he was gay but in on screen he was very straight and he was famously or sadly the well the most famous person to die from AIDS at the time when it was happening so it's a very good documentary it's very cleverly done and but it put me in mind of a better documentary about an actor difficult thing to do is actors because they, they don't really do anything I mean they appear in films and then afterwards they go home and they just sit around and have fun and then they go in the next film not really very interesting people but uh there's one called becoming cary grant uh about the actor cary grant again very handsome fellow hollywood actor He's, he was british originally and it it's a very it's just a really clever documentary about a man who really was kind of like nothing great actor but uh, just an absence of personality outside of that and so to make something very interesting about a person who had no personality i think is a really fine achievement and it's it's made by french people so it's, i like watching documentaries made by french people they, they come at a different angle so it's becoming carry ground but also the one on rock hudson was very good too um so uh matt what's yours uh, i would recommend um it two books they're part of an ongoing series by um the british historian dominic sandbrook so state of emergency which covers uh, the kind of early 1970s and Seasons in the Sun, which covers the um, the kind of latter period of the 1970s. Now they do focus on the the UK, but of course they're not completely insular. They they do look at sort of uh, wider cultural events, uh, and it's interesting to see the parallels between the 1970s and now in terms of uh, uh, high inflation, um, job instability. Uh, growing extremism, um, racial and religious intolerance, uh, global conflicts, uh, and this kind of shifts in the kind of power balance between the uh, the kind of established state actors. So it's interesting to read those books and see the parallels between what we're going through in the 2020s, kind of uh, 50, 50 years later. Uh, and also, it, it's fun because he uh, he uses a lot of pop culture references, so they're they're not they're not sort of very dry histories. Uh, so they're also a, a fun read. Uh, although I I completely reject his uh, views on punk rock. Oh, what, what, what do you say? What do you say? He said it was bad. Oh, he, no, he, yeah, he thinks he thinks punk's terrible. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he think because it because it's grounded in nihilism. He makes sort of points. Sort of, uh, I hope I'm not uh, misquoting him here. Uh, but he makes points around it having not very little artistic merit because it's a a movement grounded in in nihilism, which I completely reject. But um, you know, everyone's yeah. entitled to their opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in terms of the parallels, 1970s though, the music was way better then. I, I mean, I you can even you can see the parallels in terms of emerging art forms as well and emerging emerging music forms. Um, mm. So th there's there's a lot there, and of course, um, 
the uh, the kind of people in their forties and fifties decried punk music as saying it's not real music and uh, and horrible. And of course, now when we listen to the punk from that time, we think it's quite tame. Yeah, it's very quaint. You know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was I was ten when punk happened, and I thought it was the most terrifying and awful thing ever. I was I was literally scared of punk. Really? Yeah, I was. But that's what that's what good art should do. Well, not necessarily. I mean, but it it should get some kind of heightened state of emotion, but not necessarily fear. Maybe it could be happiness. It could be whatever. But um, yeah. Okay, Dominic Sandbrook. Yeah, Dominic Sandbrook. Yes, yeah. State of Emergency and Seasons in the Sun. Always happy to have history books recommended here on A Bit of Culture. Uh, Asmil, what's your recommendation? My recommendation is the two gigs I'm playing this weekend. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so I'm playing a, a kind of a mini blues fest at this venue called The Dark Horse, KL. Come by. Where's um, that? Uh, it's at Life Center, KL Life Center. Oh, so wow. Yeah, oh. I've been um, there for a while. Yeah, so so there's there's actually I think it's a it's a it's a, it's a bar cafe kind of thing, but they they've got live music there. So one of the guys, the scene Riz, his name Riz, if you're tuning in, a shout out to you. So he he organized this. It's called the Dark Horse Blues Fest Volume One. So I'm playing with some some really experienced local blues men like uh, Nan Blues, Karen Lunis, um, Julian Mokta. Yes, he's playing his uh -huh. band uh, Mojo Hand. He's playing. Um, then I'm playing with my band Orchestrado, and there's also a local band, a uh, younger blues band. They're called Blues Bucks. Check them out. So it's just 50 bucks for. for so when night. when is that, Asmil? This is on Saturday, 11 uh, November at 8 p.m. And on on Monday after the party, we're playing. Uh, where I'm actually, my band, the same band, okay, Asmil and Orchestrado. We're supporting this American. Kind of a cowpunk band. They're called Jenny Don't and the Spurs. So they're on tour at the moment. I think they're in Indonesia right now. So they're stopping by KL at Rumah Api on, on Monday, 13 November. Come by again, 8 p.m. There's another great band that you guys should check out. They're a local band. They're called Gas Money. Um, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're very country -ish, You know, it's very rare <laughs> you hear. They're kind of like a good alt rock country inspired band. And they're from PJ. So I'm looking forward to see their live set. Right. So those those are my two recommendations. I've I've never heard the the term cowpunk before, but I get it. <laughs> I get it straight away, and that, and that sounds really good. Okay, cool. So you're doing a kind of a blues thing, and then a and then a country thing. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um. Well, okay. Well, that's great. I was a shameless self plug there by Asmo, <laughs> you know. And while we're in the mood for shameless self plugs, I want to I want to briefly say I got a book coming out. All right, I, I'm I'm holding it up in front of uh, Asmil and uh, Matt. It's actually a reprint. Oh, okay. Reprint. Uh, how does it look, guys? Yes or no? Uh, yeah, the cover's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. update from the old one, the purple that's one. That's See, right. See, you could you could never get AI to create something like that. No, you yeah. can't. But you can get Sydney Tan, um, and it's uh, so it's a reprint of a book that came out. Oh gosh, more than ten years ago, called Confessions of an Old Boy. I'm holding a copy in my hand, but I only have one copy. We haven't yet worked out um, the the selling of it, the retail of it. So just to let you know that it's out there, and uh, there'll be more information on that. Should option it for a movie, man. Uh, okay. Asmil <laughs> <laughs> says, let's just go around and stop people in the streets. But Asmil no, says, Asmil's going to produce it. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Look forward to that one. 
Um, okay, so well, that brings us to the end of this week's show, and I would like to thank Asma Yunor. Thank you. Sama sama. And and good luck with those gigs. Thanks, man. And Matt Armitage. Thank you for having me. Matt, who didn't plug anything, very polite young man. Of course. <laughs> I mean, I'm a walking plug, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and myself, Cam Rustlin, and so please join us next time for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.